Greetings and welcome. You're listening to the Genesis Podcast, the official podcast of the Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. It is our goal to inspire one another to change the world by effectively living in the way of Jesus. Check out our website, thegenesisstory.com. There, you can learn more about us, where and when we meet, ways to invest and support, but most importantly, how to get connected. Thank you for spending time with us today. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here. Today is the beginning of Advent, so we are going to be talking about hope this morning. Yay, something. And I'm going to see how I can just destroy that for all of us. Um, uh, I know that you guys watching online might not be able to see it, but we actually have a Christmas tree. It's not decorated fully. This morning was a little hectic. There it is. There's Brian. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a little hectic this morning trying to get things going, which is pretty typical for this season. Uh, things start getting hectic. And every year I, I determine I'm not going to get into that. And it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, you can't help but feel the busyness of the season when you have to be with family and want to be, right? It's not like I have to be with, uh, I got to be with my kids again. I thought they moved. Um, Where you want to be with your family, you want to see friends, you want to hang out and enjoy time together. I'd love to have a get together again at my house, but I just don't know. Um, And so, and then you guys are, please don't. I've got too many things on my calendar already. Um, But it is an opportunity for us to acknowledge a season and the importance of that season to our lives. And so that's what we are going to be doing for the next four weeks is covering some different topics for Advent. Uh, again, shout out to Gil and Rick and the guys who made things happen this morning. Uh, you guys, have, we're a few minutes late because of a lot of things that, you know, we just like, hey, Gil, pull a rabbit out of your hat. How about now? Um, And so, but he did, and so we're grateful. But let's pause, and let's pray, and let's set our attitudes into a place that are receptive to receive what the Spirit would speak to us. I want you to just close your eyes, and remember at the beginning of creation when God breathed into man and made him a living soul which each, with each breath that we take, God is desiring to breathe life into us, his life. And Lord, our desire is to receive that life, to be mindful of the breath that you give, of the life that comes from you through Christ to the world. And our desire this morning and for this season is to rest in that work that you have done and to allow that work to continually transform us into the image of your son in whose name we pray, amen. I wanna thank everyone also who contributed and brought in the gifts 
Um, I forget how many stockings did we have all together? Do you recall, Randy? Was it 30? 46 stockings that you guys took care of. Um, so give yourselves a hand. Thank you so much. You know, one of the things I am thankful for, and you have helped restore Christmas to me um, and how generous our community has been throughout the years and the things that we've done with the Advent Conspiracy, where we've talked about how Christmas can still change the world, the things that we've done in Mexico, where we bought shoes for the kids in the orphanage in Haiti, where we built a latrine and built a cafeteria or multi-purpose room. Um, It's just mind-boggling how much a small group of committed people can do with this desire. And this season has been the catalyst for that. And so in a lot of ways, you have redeemed Christmas for me by your generosity. Even as Randy said, there's so many times where it's like, it's coming and it can be overwhelming, but I am so grateful uh, for what has been done uh, this season through this community. And I'm thankful also for everyone who allows us to continue by your contributions, those who give online, those who donate. Some people still bring their envelopes in and drop them in the mailbox, even though they're not able to be here with us. And it's, it's humbling and we are grateful. And so thank you once again. And this morning, as I talk about hope, it's something that I think is important for us. And I think it's something that is needed for each of us. It's something that we find ourselves conflicted to hold on to when we are constantly bombarded with the news and bad news and the hurt of life around us. Hope is something that can feel like it's slipping through our grasp um, that we're trying to hold on to. And, And I hope we can see, there's that word, that It's not something that we have to try and hold on to. It's something that is raining down on us through the person of Christ. And and so I want to start in Acts chapter 17. Paul is gone out into the city and, well, let's read it, starting at verse one. After they passed through that place, And Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. It emphasizes that it's this Jesus. There were lots of Jesuses at the time, but it was this Jesus that he was talking about. You know, it's interesting in cultures how names develop. Like in the American culture, there's not a lot of people who we would call Jesus, but if you go into the Latin cultures, there's a lot of Jesuses, right? So if you say, do you know Jesus or you know Jesus? They'd say, 
which one? You know, Jesus Mendoza, Jesus Gonzalez, right? There's a number of them, but it is this Jesus that he's talking about, the one who was born in Bethlehem, the one who did these works. This is the one who he's saying is the Messiah. And the first thing I want to point out is that hope is an attitude that is oriented towards the future. It may be a near future or it could be the distant future, right? I'm hoping for something. I'm hoping that Amazon package comes before their birthday, right? Or it could be a distant future where we are hoping for something to take place a long way off, but it looks forward to an ultimate outcome that is good. Something that we are longing for, something that we are wanting to see take place. And that outcome has not yet come within our grasp. So it's something that we can almost taste, right? It's like that dinner that's cooking and you can smell it and you can't wait to eat it. But it's believable. It's something that has substance to it. It's something that resonates with us. And the second thing is that hope anchors our soul. Hebrews 6 talks about this kind of hope that anchors us. And the soul in scripture is our natural self, our our needy self, right? It's both the mind and the emotions. It's the things that drive us, our desires, physical, psychological needs. The soul needs to be anchored. Otherwise, it will drift. It will drift with things that happen in culture. It'll drift with things that happen circumstantially. Hope has to be anchored so that it doesn't disappear when circumstances change, that it's able to make its way through those kinds of storms. And third, the, the Christian hope for the future rests in Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said in John 14, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And so this hope is connecting us to the person of Christ. And the birth of Jesus brought an eternal hope into our world. And that's something that happened in the past. But if hope is something that is supposed to be in the future, how does what happened in the past help us for the future? Paul refers to the return of Christ as the blessed hope in Titus chapter 2. And so that is in our future. And what we're seeing here is Advent is the celebration of both arrivals of Christ that in Bethlehem and when he will revisit the world in glory. And so we are living between two advents, the one that has happened and the one we are longing to see happen. And we live in between this. We have seen the hope and we are longing for the hope. Now, Paul in Acts chapter 17, when he goes to the synagogue and he's making these arguments, he's trying to introduce the Jewish community to this Jesus, who is the Messiah. 
because this is central to their hope. This is central to what they were longing for, what they wanted to see. And he makes an argument that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. And it always amazes me how quickly the disciples are able to grab Old Testament scriptures and then bring them in and say, this is about Jesus. Because some of them would be hard to see if I just read it. And even today, if you would talk to some Jewish people about the scriptures that are used regarding Christ, they wouldn't see it that way. But having met Jesus, for some reason, these resonated so much with them. But we see this happening throughout the book of Acts. In Acts chapter eight, Philip was led to a man who was an official court of the Ethiopian queen. Remember, he was on his chariot. And I imagine the chariot was standing still so he didn't have to run and catch up to it too much. But he went to him and the man was reading from the passage of Isaiah. And he said, who is he speaking about? Is he speaking about himself or someone else? And Philip says, well, let me tell you, right? And it was like this set up passage, Isaiah 53, where it talks about the suffering Messiah. Philip told him that this was about Jesus. Opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he told them the good news about Jesus. And Isaiah 53 might be the most popular passage to us prefiguring the gospel in the Old Testament. But again, Orthodox Jews don't believe this passage is speaking about the Messiah. And so Paul was trying to convince them that it was. And I wonder what that looked like. I wonder what what logic do you use to convince someone that this means this when they think it means that? How do you get from here to there? And I think the the missing link is the person of Jesus and what he did. How his life fulfilled an expectation that they were looking for that fit in with the desire for the Messiah. Israel had held on to the hope for centuries that the king of God through David would continue. That this dynasty would rise from the ashes, that a descendant of David would become Israel's ultimate king, that God would anoint him to rule Israel and through Israel, God would rule the world. And remember, anointed one means Messiah. In Greek, it is Christos, the Christ. Isaiah prophesied, of this kind of age that would come, when there would be this reign of God. Now, if I were gonna talk about God bringing his rule into the world, and I was going to look for the one who was going to bring this about, crucifixion would not be in the story. That's not how you get from here to there is through crucifixion. Crucifixion is how those stories ended, right? Those people who wanted to reign were crucified and their reign was over. Those people who wanted a certain authority were put to death and that was the end. But here in this story of Christ, it's the beginning. 
This Jesus who suffered, who died, also rose. But there's something very important about the suffering. There's something necessary that is taking place because Paul points this out, that he must need to suffer. The Messiah, the one you're looking for to rule, he has to suffer. Which beckons the question, why? And not only did he suffer, but he left, right? He conquered the grave, yes. And we've talked about that passage, you know, when Jesus says, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Everyone's like, yeah, Jesus. And then he says, okay, go take care of it. I'm out of here. Wait, don't leave. But again, this is part of this story. This is part of that rule is suffering, conquering death, and then handing the keys over to his questioning, frail, faltering disciples. And in Acts chapter one, when Jesus is saying that he's gonna go and send the comforter, it says they saw him ascend into heaven. And I don't know how long they were standing there, but fortunately there was a messenger that says, men of Galilee, why are you standing here watching the same Jesus, this same Jesus who you saw ascend is going to come back. And from what I've heard from different people who know the language more than I do, it wasn't so much it's gonna happen just like this, but the fact that he left, he's going to return. And I've got lots of questions on what that's going to look like. And all the people who tell me exactly what it's gonna look like, I have questions for them too, because I don't think it's happened like they said it's been supposed to happen. But one of the things that is supposed to happen in this age to come, in this rule of the Messiah, Isaiah also talked about, There's supposed to be a change that takes place in the world, in humanity. And some of these pictures are beautiful that we see in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter two, verse four, it says, he, the Lord, will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plows and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not rise up the sword against nation, and they will never again train for war. Guys, that makes me just want to weep. And this is something I hope for. This is something that we still long for. And I believe that this Jesus is helping us to get to this place by not only the way he lived, but the way he suffered and the way he entrusted his power to people like us. It's like he's lighting the fuse of hope and it's in our hands now. Another passage in Isaiah chapter 11 Verse six, it says, the wolf will dwell with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf, the young lion and the fattened calf will be together and a child will lead them. What an amazing picture. 
I can imagine Judah, my grandson, doing that. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young ones will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other or my entire holy mountain for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. Again, this picture exploding in our minds with peace, with and the peace is connected to the knowledge of the Lord. I love that. These things are happening because the world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Something about the knowledge of the Lord, it's giving birth to peace in humanity. Which makes me think that it is our lack of knowledge of the Lord that is contributing to the things that are fighting against this peace. It is the inability to sense and know how present God is where we feel that we need to eat of that fruit of knowledge of good and evil and we need to make the decisions and we need to procure our future and secure it and we need to be in charge and every time we try and solidify these things we end up causing more damage And so Christmas is anticipation, expectation, and celebration all together. It it ties together the past, the present, and the future. And during Advent, it's possible to experience moments of that eternal now where God has done, is doing, and will do things. Have you ever been in a moment where it just felt like you were experiencing the eternal now? Like this moment was stronger than just the moment itself. That something was happening that was changing life. I think that's happened to me at all the births of my children and my grandchildren. I think that's happened when I've had moments with people that have just been so dear and, and so connected and so beautiful where I feel like this moment is stronger than just the relationship I have. It's something more contributing to it. Something more is, is breathing life into it. And I know it sounds a little woo woo because we live in a very chronological mindset to have this eternal now, you know, have, my watch reminding me that I have to pick up my clothes from the cleaners and I have to leave to get here by this time because it's going to take 35 minutes with traffic. And I'm constantly in this have to do this, have to do this by this time mindset that it's not easy for me to see that there is something outside of time, that time is, as Einstein's theory projected, relative. And if God is in the eternal and we connect to him, something eternal happens in those moments. I think we fail 
to recognize that in the frailty of life, there is a depth of meaning that the suffering Christ brings to light. That at the times of incredible hurt and brokenness, there is a seed falling to the ground and dying and giving birth to a plant. I want to share a video that uh, someone posted on Instagram, and I saw it, and it, it just, because of the person and because of the content, it was something that touched me. I want you guys to see it, and I'll talk a little bit more afterwards. And as you know, we have a seat saved for our son, Tristan, who couldn't make it. And he's here with us in spirit. But what a lot of you may not know is Tristan was an organ donor. And that was his choice. And by doing that, it opened us up to meet some pretty amazing people. And one of those young men who received his heart is here today. And he's going to come up and be our sixth groomsman. So, Jacob, could you please come up, buddy? her teenage son was hit by a car when he was riding his bike to school who also donated his organs and I remember doing the memorial service for him and desperately trying to bring this idea of hope into the picture that life continues and and what I love about this video is that we get a a glimpse of that in such a a different way. You know, when the mom is hugging this young man, she knows she's not hugging her son, but yet somehow she is. And I love the picture of her listening to his heart, 
and saying, that's my son's heart. And, and I think God is got his stethoscope on us and saying, that's my son's heart. When we live like Christ and we are the fuse that is lit for hope and how we live. Memorial services are times where we struggle to find hope. I did a memorial service a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing one actually this Friday um, for Alfonso. Uh, Lola Jolly's father passed away. And you guys are all invited. He used to come to Genesis before COVID and he never really went anywhere after COVID. And so they called me and asked if I would do this service. And I said, of course. And once again, we are straining for hope that this life is more than just the time that was spent here. But it's infused with the life that God gives. And this voice of hope isn't for just after we die. It is hope that God is at work still and will continue. I want to close with a passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16, where Paul says, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Remember, the knowledge of God was what's going to bring peace to this world. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That's us. That we are the hope of God continuing in his work. And this inspires me. It's the reason I take time, I read, I reflect the scriptures. It's not as if I received you know, a revelation from God every day, you know, invest in Tesla. You know, I don't receive those kinds of words. But there's something that pulls me forward that I want to see take place. And and this is why I, I love Jesus. This is why I love to talk about Jesus. This is why I do what I do. I can remember times just sitting down with people and having discussions and what I want to project to them and what I want to do is not here, will you join this? Will you become a part of this? Will you follow my belief system? It is, will you see the love and hope of God that is found in the person of Christ? I can remember one time in Wales, I think it was in 2005 or six maybe, and I was with somebody and we were walking down, you know, where a group of us were there helping a church get started. And as we were walking through the downtown center, my friend went and started talking to this young people that were there. And they were like listening, kind of curious. And then one of, I forget, one of them said something. Well, I don't know, how, how do I know God's real? And I remember just stepping in. I said, you know, I'm from California 
And I'm here today talking to you, not to prove to you that God is real, but I'm here to just say that you are loved. And if I've come all the way here to this place at this time to tell you this, maybe you need to hear that right now. And she just started crying. She just started crying. And as she started crying, I just felt this sense like, isn't this great? As if Jesus was just on my shoulder saying, isn't what I've done great? That you can come over here and just say that I love someone and it moves them to tears. And I remember thinking, yeah, I want to do this the rest of my life. And I fought to hold on to hope in my own life. I still fight to hold on to that. I share with you guys all the time. My faith is something that I fight with all the time. But it's this hope that keeps pulling me forward. And I think today God has something to say about that. It's this Jesus who looked at the crowds and felt compassion for them. This Jesus who touched blind eyes, deaf ears, and healed them. This Jesus who who lifted children up into his arms and said, don't hinder them from coming to me. This Jesus who rebuked hypocrites and brought close the people who were despised and blessed sinners. It was this Jesus who loved the unlovable and forgave the unforgivable. It is this Jesus whose birth is Christmas and resurrection is Easter. And through these produced in us the birth of new life that brings eternal life. One more word just about Advent. It's not just four Sundays that we celebrate. Advent is a season, a period of time so that with everything else that goes on during this time, the hectic scheduling, the struggling, the financial struggles, that you might incur, try to remember this is a season of hope. No matter what the news of war and justice, corruption in our government and media, there is a voice of hope in the person of Christ if we will hear his voice. Let's hang on to the hope that is hanging on to us. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so thankful that it is your hope that has held on to me. And Lord, I am in awe that you would entrust that to us, that we would be a voice of hope in our world. And that's very hard to see because this hope started with crucifixion. This hope was birthed in death. And this hope has been entrusted into the weakest of people, us. And that seems to be how you want to do things. So may we grow in hope and knowledge 
and bring peace on earth as your desire is. For it's in Christ's name, this Jesus, that we pray. Amen. May you hold on to the hope that is holding you. And may you not only find hope, but may you be hope for the world around you. Because it is this Jesus who is our anointed one. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. You've been listening to the official podcast of Genesis Community Church in Upland, California. If you've been encouraged, found hope, been challenged by what you've heard, we'd like to ask you to help spread the word by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. You can also help support our podcast by visiting us at thegenesisstory.com. It has been our pleasure to have you join us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next week.